I'm going to throw this back off of here. And there we go. We are live. Hey, hey, this is Rolo Tomasi. This is the Rational Mail. Uh, I have a very special guest, a guy that I have been wanting to talk to for a very, very long time. <laughs> uh, let me turn this down. There we go. Um, I have with me uh, Hotep Jesus. Um, oh, is it okay yeah. if I call you Hotep or do you want me to call you by your real name? I know you have, uh, you don't, you go by your real name too, right? Hey, you know, I'm. Uh whatever you want type whatever. of guy okay you know like you know if you're comfortable <laughs> with hotep jesus let's do hotep jesus you know i know that like i go by rolla tomasi that is not my real name but i go by that just simply because you know it's easier to do and uh, i've always had a pseudo name and i don't know if that's holds true for you as well because now you've got a you've got a new book that's coming out um and yeah. it has your real name on the book so uh, anyways, uh, this is the Rational Mail Show. I have with me Hotep Jesus. Um, we are going to just talk about a few things um, with respect to his new book. Uh, we're going to talk about masculinity, femininity, and some things that are kind of pertinent to the uh, discussions that we have on this show. Um, you just got off of Joe Rogan back on, on Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, I, I, if anybody has not seen that, uh, I think that would be something everybody is going to. I thought that was like one of the best shows I've seen on, on Joe Rogan. You you were actually pretty fluid on there and you were telling me you were kind of a little bit nervous. But, you know, it didn't seem like you were nervous. You, you were just having a conversation with him. And I thought that was really cool. Well, the, the root of my nervous problem was the fact that I hadn't gotten any sleep. And I don't know if you ever noticed, like whenever you're like really like tired, mm -hmm. like, you know, your body's like shaking and all that stuff or whatever. So like I, my nerves weren't right because I hadn't rested. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was operating. My body was on Eastern time. Mm -hmm. I was but I was moving like I was on Cali time, waking up like 6 a.m. every day. Mm -hmm. So I was like, am I going to fall asleep in the middle of this interview? Because mm -hmm. I was just really tired. So I ran across the street and uh, I got the first time in my life I got a double shot espresso. So that was my first time having that experience. And I was like, boom, I took that back. Then I got to his place and uh, I had a cup of his coffee, some amazing coffee at mm -hmm. his coffee machine. I'm like, like the some of the best coffee next to like my homeboy maher you know like it's right up right up there top tier and uh it kind of woke me up mm -hmm. and uh got me going so yeah it was fine like that i was just worried like did it make you, know, you jittery were you jittery yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i was jittery i think i was jittery um but it was just more or less i was worried about you know how i would come off you know and because i'm tired is my brain still going to function as well as I need it to, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes when you get tired, you get lazy, your brain gets lazy. So I just wanted to make sure I was at my peak self um, before I went into this thing. And that, mm -hmm. that's where the nerves came from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you handled yourself very good, I think. Thanks. Um, so uh, I just wanted to get a little bit of background because a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in the chat right now who are going to know who you are, but I'm just going to give you a chance to like sort of explain like how you came up. And I, I mean, a lot of people probably know you from the infamous Starbucks incident. Uh, yeah. What was that like a couple years ago or a year ago? A year ago. A year ago. About a year ago now. Yeah, that was a year ago. Yeah. And I, I know you are, uh, you're a tech startup guy. Is that what? That's correct. What I get? And, and what exactly did you, what do you do? So uh, I think I want to just give you my story in about 120 seconds here, if I can. All right. I left out of high school. I worked uh, in the restaurant business. I left the restaurant business and I worked for Nordstrom in the women's shoe department, making 10% an hour. This was 1998, 1999. So I was 
bringing home like fat checks at that age, you know, like mm -hmm. revving four to six K a month, you know, after you get good, just closer to six K, you know. Um, and then I uh, worked for the Cheesecake Factory. And then over there, I always liked the restaurant business because um, you walk home with cash daily. And that that to me was like what I needed. I needed cash right now. So, uh, you know, Cheesecake Factory was easy to walk away with 200 a day it's in raw cash. You're making it, you know, at least a G a week, um, if not better. And then um, I had my record label at the same time. But one of the tables walked in and the guys uh, about 10 guys and I took all their orders off the top of my head. I didn't have to write anything down. And they were like, yo, you're really sharp because they thought they're going to mess. I was going to mess up the orders and they were changing things like, you know, I want this with that and this without that. But, you know, when I executed perfectly, they were like, you know, we want you to come work in the mortgage industry. So I did the mortgage industry until the uh, crisis hit. After the crisis hit, um, I uh, became a torn artist. After while I was a torn artist, I built a, a hip hop blog or, or uh, um, an entertainment blog to drive traffic to our streams and to pro promote myself the blog was uh, had a team of about seven um it was running basically on its own getting tons of traffic and uh getting getting me seen uh and through that i got invited to the 50 cent bus launch for one of his energy drinks and then um after that you know that was like my real big like corporate gig where i got a whole ton of experience because it was a startup it was an incubator uh, right on uh, Madison Ave, you know, the advertising Mecca. And, you know, I got a ton of like, it basically took what I knew in raw form and refined me. So I got refined at that job. And then after that, um, I just started consulting for people. One of them was like Carmelo Anthony on his coconut drink. I, I consulted uh, on the launch of that, did some events at St. John's, whatever, whatever. Um, Dwayne Reed stuff. And then uh, I was like, I kind of don't like CPG. So I got out of CPG and I said, you know, when I was 16, 17, you know, I was dating this Jewish girl and her little brother was like a tech geek. Me and him were mad cool. And he was to build uh, AOL hack software using Visual Basic. And I used to promote it in the chat rooms. So I was, you know, I was, you know, building computers and giving them my dad and selling them. And, you know, I was I was in I was into computers, you know, where everybody was on like Nintendo, Sega or whatever. I was a PC guy. So um, I always had that tech background in it. And I always said when I was younger, I was like, yo, I don't you know, the main thing I want to do was I wanted to be the next Bill Gates. I wanted that kind of, you know, uh, power over technology. So at this age, you know, after the whole 50 cent and getting out of CPG, you know, I said, yo, um, let's go tech. So I went tech, started studying, and then I started consulting. I've done consulting for over 20 uh, startups uh, applications. And, you know, so here I am now with the CoinBits app. We're selling Bitcoin, very low rate dollar per transaction and um, doing that automatically. So you don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then I have Jifatize, which is our Twitter app, allows you to save uh, GIFs and video uh, from Twitter directly to your iPhone, Android app coming soon. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when I look at business, right, a lot of people like, oh, you know, I want to be a six figure earner, six figure earner. And it was like I was a six figure earner. I was like 19. Like, I know what that feels like. That's not that's not exactly a lot of money to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started looking at this landscape of VC and Silicon Valley and I started seeing a type of money that's moving on the daily. You know, 32 billion is there's nothing to happen in one day for investment. And I started realizing where the money was. So I was like, that's where I want to be, you know, and also where the power was, where the innovation was.
where people are changing our culture. It's happening in Silicon Valley. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's where you're at right now. And then you, when did you start doing podcasts and becoming sort of like, you know, yeah, I think we talk, we talk about this every once in a while. Like there's this new, I guess it's a job description. It's called influencer. And there's a very low barrier of entry of entry for for uh, influencers right now. There's some people who actually have some sort of, um, you know, I guess the gravitas to to be an influencer of some sort. But like, what got you into like podcasting? So we have to first define what an influencer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, check it out. These influencers, especially the ones that come through the low barrier of entry, are reinforcers. Mm-hmm. They're not influencers. They're reinforcers. What they do is they reinforce something that already exists, whether it be a political talking point or a product. So these people may have, you know, tummy tea, you know, IG models do the tummy tea thing, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. All they're doing is attaching themselves to something else and, and endorsing it. So they're endorsers, right? Mm-hmm. Reinforcers and endorsers. An influencer is somebody like you, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who comes in, they take a look at the space and they add something new to it and start changing people's minds and start getting people's minds working. And then they forge a new path. If you're not forging a new path, you're technically not an influencer. You're a reinforcer and you're an endorser. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure people understood okay. that that statement clear. I never wanted to be an endorser or or reinforcer i wanted to be an influencer i wanted to influence people's lives to create change Um, what is what is an entrepreneur to you like it's thrown around a lot right now everybody says i'm a any kid on the street will tell you he's an entrepreneur right now yeah well people are divided based upon the dichotomy of uh producers versus consumers Mm -hmm. so uh, an entrepreneur would be a producer as opposed to uh, a consumer um, I think everybody has a potential to be an entrepreneur. I think everybody should explore entrepreneurship at some level, even if it's just to pay off your light bill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, That's just it's, 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 you know, I always look at it like a salary earner is an animal in a zoo. Um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneur is a wild lion. Like they have to go out and, and catch their meal every day. They have to, you know, and and they run the pride and they have a family and they run the next generation. They're real lions. If you have somebody that's addicted to being a salary earner, you have a caged animal who if you let him out of that zoo and introduce him into the wild, he would get eaten alive by his own kind and he wouldn't be able to survive if he didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's how I always look at that. You know, entrepreneur is somebody that knows how to go and get their own food if there's no job or salary there for him. Right. So somebody who has the capacity to sort of like improvise and create, yeah. well, create, of course, um, adapt. adapt. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the, I, I think that the word or the the term entrepreneur gets thrown around by people who like, I guess you would describe as being like reinforcers or endorsers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, we, we've talked about that on this show a few times before where we're, um, um, where it seems that, the like I said, the the barrier is very low to call yourself that, but like the, I think maybe the barrier is very high for people who actually 
pull it off and actually do something about it. Uh, yeah, I have seen like my background is is advertising, marketing, branding um, in like promotion and liquor, and so uh, I I have probably about another like, 25 years prior to me even just doing this kind of stuff. And you are absolutely 100% right. When I, when I was writing my first book, um, people were asking me, you know, when are you going to put a book out? Um, they, they had already been reading my blog. They had already been, um, they knew me from a lot of these forums that I was, I was, I guess, influencing uh, in these forums. And they said, you need to put out a book. And I kind of dragged my feet and dragged my feet. And then I, <laughs> I have, I have greyhounds. I have, I have uh, three greyhound dogs. I, I reconditioned these dogs and, uh, they are very expensive. <laughs> and so I said, I said, if I get a book out, I'll have some money to like, take care of these damn vet bills. <laughs> and that's exactly what you were just saying. It's like, you got to go out there. And if, if you see, if you are motivated enough to go and do something like that, you will actually go do that. So, um, so how did you get into, um, to podcasting and, and what's, what is the background with you and uncle Hotep? Yeah. So when I was on Twitter, you know, of course I was a touring artist. So I was using it for that, right. Using it to promote that brand. I was using it to promote my blog, but then I got out of the, the music industry. I was using Twitter in a very spiritual manner, like trying to get a certain message out and enlighten people. So it became more or less a hobby now, right? I guess you can say something you just kind of like do on the side. So that's what that's what Twitter is to me. It's a way that I can communicate. It's not like the end all be all of me. Can you repeat the question one more time? I just, just I sure. just want to see how you got into like podcast. Oh, right, 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 right. What you right. did, how you got with uh, right. Uncle Hotels. Right. So my tweets were inspiring people. And one dude, I think his name is Justin something. But he he said, yo, you should get a YouTube channel. And I'm like, ah, I'm not trying to be no YouTuber. That shit's corny. He's like, no, you need a YouTube channel. Just do just say what you're saying on Twitter, but a YouTube channel. And at the time I had an anonymous Twitter. Like I changed my at name. It was anonymous. I was like, I didn't want to be, you know, me. I wanted to mm -hmm. be Anon. And he was like, nah, I create a YouTube channel. So then I was like, after a while, I just thought about it. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to make these like series of videos where I get these thoughts out of my head and flushed out. And then I did that. And I was like, all right, I have nothing left to say to the world. Like I was done. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, Uncle Hotep's channel was growing, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, people were asking me for content. And I'm like, I really don't have anything to say to anybody. You mm. know, let's, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody that like, that's fun. You know, like, let's bounce ideas off of each other. I just don't want to be sitting in front of a camera, um, you know, just by myself. This is kind of corny to me sometimes, unless there's something to be taught or a specific lecture. You know, I don't want to be one of those guys out here that's like, oh, you know, here's the hot story today. Let me go cover it. I don't, that's not for me. Like, that's not what I want to do. You know, not to say there's something wrong with it. That's just not what I want to do. So um, I saw I saw a diamond and silk, how they were moving. And every time I saw a diamond and silk, I saw uh, myself and Uncle Hotep. So I was like, man, it would be dope if we did that. And I kept saying that to myself because every time I see him, I'd say it to myself. And I was like, why don't I just ask him? So I was like, yo, Unc, yo, you want to do a show together? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dope. So then it was just like, so like that's now like the thing that keeps my YouTube account active. Otherwise, I wouldn't have anything Probably to say. Beyond, yeah. And so um, how long have you been doing that? When when did you get back into that? Um, Ota's been told you just finished a year. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, one episode ago last week was our one year anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've been doing a YouTube thing since maybe 2012, 2013. 
2014. You see, you were one of my follows before all that happened. And I'm like, when did this all happen to <laughs> Yeah, I've been following you for a while. Mm -hmm. For a while. You know, I just saw, I saw the rational mail. I saw the book cover. And the book cover just made me feel like whoever wrote this knows what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading the reviews. And then I would read your website. Um, because your website has, you know, du uh, duplicated information on it. Mm -hmm. So I was just going through the archives and, you know, um, I remember the day I did it, I spent exactly 15 minutes and I just was like, I investigate people and I investigated mm -hmm. and I just, all I did was look at the topics on your website and then like some of the things you're writing about. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna follow this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy yeah. Yeah, I got it. I mean, I you want to talk about the spiritual side of things here. It's like I my fourth book is actually going to be about religion. It's going to be okay. the, the red pill and religion. And I'm I'm not going to call it the red pill. I'm going to it's just going to be the rational male religion. It's going to be as I, I never really set out to make my books like a series of books. I was just going to put out that one book, like my first book, and just leave it at that. And a lot of people give me grief about that because they say, well, you know, the the, the type is too small or, or or there's some there's some typos in there, or this is just stuff that you have on your blog i'm like yeah you're damn right it is it's what i that's what i've been doing for the last you know seven or eight years prior to me putting that book out and i thought that that was going to be the only book that i would ever do and i again i just did it for gravy money because i just needed to have some extra money for the damn vet bills right um and then it it really exploded into something into what guys are calling the red pill bible or the the bible of the manosphere and that's what everybody's you know reading and then i came out with the second one because people kept asking me about like i wish i would have had this information before i made all of these really bad decisions in my in yeah. my life and before i had i wish i would have known this stuff before i got divorced or before i got married or before i had kids or before i decided you know to you know to move across the country to go be closer to my girlfriend who ended up breaking up with me those kind of things and then my yeah. whole my side of it and, and i don't think people really appreciate this but my whole side of it like the, the thing that got me into it is that in 2003 my uh, my brother-in-law hung himself and wow. he did that because my my sister-in-law decided she wanted to get with the millionaire and she mm. wanted to um she wanted to change her her ship had come in and it was time for her to change her life and i just all this stuff that was swirling around at that time and i i was i think i really wrote more during that time just because i was trying to sort things out for myself I, I, kind of like what you were talking about like when you were going on on uh youtube to to sort of understand or just to get these things out of, out of your head and i started doing that but i did it in forums and i started just um I, kept, I just had these conversations and I got really kind of fascinated with the pickup artist industry because a lot of these guys, the early pickup artist guys, like we're talking like Neil Strauss and, and uh, mystery and some of these other guys, the, all the guys that were in the game um, I was following and I was sort of figuring, you know, sort of picking apart why it is what they did was working. And I was just fascinated by the whole thing. And because I was, I was studying psychology at the time. And I was uh, also, um, I was finishing up my, my BFA, I have a BFA and I've got a BS in, um, excuse me, a BA in uh, psychology and behavioral psychology. And I did that originally because I wanted to understand my clients and I wanted like the, cause I was doing um, freelance graphic design back then. And then I got into doing art direction and then I got into some, I actually started working in some real companies at that time, like, like multi-million dollar companies. And then I was art director and just things kind of just snowballed for me in, in that respect. But I did that because I wanted to understand the personalities that I was working with at the time. And, uh, and then, 
but at that same time that I was at, you know, at the university, I was finished. I went to school much later in life than, than most people do. I was in my early thirties when I went, when I was in college. And, uh, I just decided that, uh, I wanted to, uh, explore more about this, this behavioral psychology, because that's what I saw happening in the pickup artist industry. And I just wanted, I was curious to know why, what they were doing worked. And then that just opened up a whole, you know, a whole new world for me. And, uh, I just had all these conversations. And one of the things I think is really important right now, and you, I, I don't know if you touched on this or not with Joe Rogan, but right now we're living in an era where, like guys like me and guys like you, this is the only time in history like we could exist because we have tools like YouTube or we have tools like computers or uh, I can remember trying to put out a gaming podcast that like back in 2007, 2008, and we didn't have um, we didn't have YouTube. We just right. if we if you wanted to go live, you uh, there. But again, the barrier for ent entry into that was a lot. You had to have cameras. You had to have uh, special software. You had to, you know, you had to put everything into like Adobe Premiere or, or whatever, uh, whatever you were using to do your editing and that kind of stuff. And just producing something like that took a lot more. Now, just like right now, I can come on here, start a channel on YouTube, and I'm I'm almost wondering if it's not too easy to do those things right now. That's why I was asking you about like entrepreneurship and all this other stuff. Cause I don't think that people really understand that just because you can, you have, I mean, anybody can start a YouTube channel now. Anybody can do this. And, um, I think you talked a little bit about this with Joe is, um, I think that a lot of people see that they want, they want to become an influencer. They see it as sort of a job track. And I have a lot of friends who are quitting their day jobs right now because they want to do this full time or they want to be a life coach or they mm. want to be in some way. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure there's like guys that want to be like the next Tony Robbins. They want to, it's what we call success porn, right? Yeah. Like you can be successful and here, all you got to do is follow these steps and here's a template blog and come to my, my seminar and, you know, plunk down four or 5,000 bucks for a weekend. And I'm going to tell you how to get rich online. Right. And, that that right there has become sort of a industry uh, a sub industry of an industry which is okay now you can go on youtube or it's like one of those things where like uh, back you probably know this back because you were in the mortgage uh, thing um people were flipping houses and then yeah. it became about the business of flipping houses right the, the, and so how to teach somebody how to do something like that um so do you see more people wanting to become like influencers or or want to sort of be you know self be self-appointed i guess endorsers or something like that i guess that's what i'm seeing right now i see a lot of that mm -hmm. i definitely see a lot of it i don't think it's good either yeah i think it's dangerous to be honest with you because you when you're talking about like getting deplatformed if you go and you switch over from being what you were in your daily life and and yeah i 100 agree with you i understand why people want to get out of the cubicle farms and they want to get online and they want to want to do something a little bit more and that, so it's a little bit easier to do that now but there's a risk that is associated with that so when you start podcasting or you start writing or you start blogging or whatever it is that you do um, you then become dependent on appealing to an audience all the time. And yeah, yeah. That's why I tend to, um, when I noticed that you can get locked into what your audience wants, I said, mm -hmm. well, let me just immediately break that. Right. So mm -hmm. I do, I do like shattering things. 
you know, I'll say, you know, things that I know people won't agree with. And I and, and I say things that I know people will unfollow me afterwards. And sometimes they might be disgusted or whatever. But I do that because I don't want to be chained to you. Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't have to cater to you 24 seven. You know, this is for me, first and foremost, but I'm sharing me with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like being attached to me is optional. But what you won't do is try to tell me how to live my life on this free platform. I can see if you were paying, it's like, okay, I listen now, you know, but you're not paying me. You don't pay my bills. So you can't tell me what to do with my channel. So a lot of people, you know, like I, I say all the time, like I could be at 200, you know, 500,000 followers if I wanted to. All I got to do is just talk like a robot and say the same things over and over again um that you know go along with the mainstream crowd you know the things that the npcs glue themselves to you know i know how to do that but i won't allow myself to build an audience that's following me uh, based upon fake shit Mm. now do you do you think that you have an audience right now that expects certain things from you like expects you to say like something in some way yeah 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 and then you break that up Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, once I find out you expect something from me or you, you know, you. You you or you try to put the obligation on me, really. Right. It's like you expect it. And then it's like now I'm obligated. It's like, no, I'm not obligated to do a damn thing. You know, I think I think you're you're probably where I'm at with all of this as well, because I didn't come into the, I didn't quit my day job. I still have my day job. In fact, matter of fact, this weekend, I'm going to be working on this on my day job. Okay. Um, but I, my, my primary revenue source is not what I do here. It's nice to have the money. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad this, this sort of morphed into something else. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do, um, I have a habit of, of making my primary source of income become my secondary source of income as I move on to something else. And so right. like, you know, they always say that you need to have like a passive source right. of income. Um, this, like what I do right now is my passive source of income, but like I have always understood this and I think you probably will agree with me is um, that you don't want to be beholden to what people want you to be saying. And I think that's, there's, there's a lot of risk in that. And yeah. in order to do that, you have to sort of like, I think was it you have to be anti-fragile is the, yeah. is a word. And the only way you can be anti-fragile online is to still have something else going. You got to diversify things. And I think you probably understand, <laughs> still yeah. understand where I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just let's let's move on a little bit here. I want to talk about your book because I did the cover for it, <laughs> your new book. <laughs> yeah. And, and so uh, so you, do you want to you want to talk about that because that's really more pertinent to the interest of my my audience. We're going to talk about my audience, right? That's that's a little bit. More. Yeah. So you know I'm kind of like you, right? So I observed this space and I'm like, there's this pickup artist space, and um, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of corny to me. Mm-hmm. It is now. I think. I think prior it, when it was new and people were were first got into it back in the early two thousands, and then you yeah. got the game and all that. You remember the game, right? Oh, of course. Yes. Okay, so the game is the only pickup artist book I've read, mm. and it was a great book. I thought it was a great book. It made some great points. It reaffirmed a lot of things that I already knew. My my understanding of women came from experimenting with women. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was eighteen, I had ten girlfriends. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't really date girls from my own town. I used to go to other people's towns and take, you know, other <laughs> high schools. Uh-huh. You know, like one high school, I was, uh, 
I had a a, a, a junior and a senior. <laughs> you know, I was a senior <laughs> high school. I had a junior and a senior. This was Metuchen High School. So I used to go to Metuchen, pick up my girlfriend. One day I went to go pick her up. She wasn't there. I think she had already made it home, but I saw a girl outside, so I picked her up. <laughs> so, and then, you know, so like after I would go see one, then I'd go see the other, you know, because mm -hmm. the other one was senior. She was a little bit older, so she could, you know, stay out a little bit later. So that's what I was doing, you know. But the thing about me was, is I wasn't copulating with these women. I was just hanging with them. You know what I mean? Like non-exclusivity. Non you were spinning places what you were doing. You just weren't having sex with them. Yeah, I just wanted to spend, I love women, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's not everything for me isn't I'm not a sexual person like that, you know, um, do they turn me on? Yeah, absolutely. But I just love being around women. So I was in that I was experimenting, you know, I would, you know, like in, 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 in marketing, we say try to break things. Mm -hmm. So I was like doing things to try and break things with women, try and break, you know, um, the bond we had to see. Well, how strong have I built it up to this point? You know, what did I do to build this bond up? Is the bond unbreakable or can I break it? So I broke many bonds and some bonds I broke, but I realized they weren't broken. They still stuck and hung with me, you know? So I've been taking notes of this all through life. When I read the game, it was it was pretty good. You know, it was, uh, you know I think if you want to pick up girls, it's a good book to read. You know, it's probably the only book you need as far as pickup artists is concerned. Um, and, but now with my book, you know, for me, it's like, well, what's the number one problem men have with women? There's no peace. Mm. So my book is about how do you create peace within yourself with women involved, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when you read the book, you start to see how the, the problem that's happening with women isn't even women's fault. It's men's fault because men have cucked out, mm. you know? Once you cuck out, the women go out of control. The women are kind of like the dark phoenix, you know, out of control. She's going to destroy everything around her, but she's got this immense power, but she still needs a man to focus that and help her stay. You know, so you look at Professor X. He was the one that was helping, you know, Jean Grey stay level and focus. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I look at men and women. It's like they're this great power. But without us being real men and mm -hmm. standing up to them and demanding certain things, you create an expectation, right? The expectations for men is getting lowered and lowered and lowered. Now it's just people you get saved in somebody's phone is food. You know, when they, whenever a girl wants food, she calls you up and you take her, you know, to get some food. And then you never talk to her again. You're wondering why. You didn't you didn't make her try, right? So when I was dating this one girl, you know, she lived a little bit further from me. And I said, yo, I'm going to be here, such and such. What does it usually got to do? They usually pay for the flight for the girl, right? No, if you want to meet me, meet me there. When you get there, I'll take care of a hotel room. You ain't got to worry about food. And I, you know, I'll, I'll you know, what I mean? but take get care. yourself there to prove to me you actually want to be there and don't just want some vacation on, on somebody else's tab. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's these things you got to, these hoops you got to make women jump through. They got to get you. It's not that you got to get them. See, another thing I say in the book is we'll never choose women. Women choose us. We think we chose her. No, you, she chose you. Mm. women are hunting we're not hunting we think yeah. we're hunting but we're the prey <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Well, that, that, that's cool. Like my uh, my background as far as women is concerned is I was very. I've people are always going to say, well, Rolo did everything right, or he's just he's this kind of lesser alpha guy who's I've I've been married for coming up on twenty three years right now, mm-hmm. and but prior to that, in my in my teens and my twenties, I was I came up in the Los Angeles uh, heavy metal scene back in the day, and so gotcha. my game at that time, and and I'm I'm a little bit like you in that sense, like I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't. You, you had to sort of figure things out on your own. There was no manosphere. There was no, uh, you know, pickup artistry or anything like that. And it took me a while to figure those things out. And I had I had to learn some very tough lessons back then because when I was coming up, when I was a, when I was a teenager, I was very much very much a beta, very much blue pill. Um, right. I believed a lot of this sort of Disney idealistic romantic crap about women as, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, she's my one. She's my soulmate, that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you believe that and you make decisions based on the, on that idealism. And, you know, men are idealistic as it is. I think you probably agree with me on this is like men are interested in affecting their will on the outside world. We right. want to where uh, it was Steven Pinker who was saying like in, in his studies on like these gender differences between men and women, men tend to be more interested in things and women tend to be more interested in people. Okay. And so what the way that I look at it is this way is like I, I believe that men are naturally born with a sense of idealism, like what is possible. That's why we look at something. We go, OK, well, uh, here, here's a river. I I'm, wonder what it would look like with a bridge. You know, right. the, that kind of stuff where you want to affect your will on the world kind of thing. Whereas right. women, women evolved into, you know, being a little bit more uh, collectivist. They need to look at each other across the table. They'll get together so that they can have their moments to talk with one another. And you, you, were, you mentioned something about that on Joe Rogan the other day. I thought that was fantastic. I might want to have you talk, talk about that a little bit, too. But um, when, when you're talking about how women talk, I, I believe that women talk and men do. And so when we communicate it is when we're doing something, when we're building right. something, we have a project to to work on. We we're, we exchange information, and then maybe we make sort of a connection as as a friendship kind of thing. Where women get together just for the sake of communicating, because that uh-huh. that's just the way that they are wired. So when I was when I was younger, when I was in night, like say nineteen, up until I was about twenty three or twenty four, that was my scene. Was I would go out, I would play in various bands um, uh, and I could go out and I could pick up a girl any night that I wanted to and I could be done with it. And, you know, so I got, I got my notch count kind of, I'm not, you know, it's funny. It's like people won't say, well, your notch count's only 40. You, you don't have that many. And I'm like, I used to think that that was a lot until I met some of these guys in the pickup artist community and they're like in the triple digits. And I'm like, well, gosh, I wonder if they'll take me seriously. <laughs> right? yeah. um, so I, a lot of my, a lot of my background comes from that experience from personally experiencing women. And then also um, working in the liquor industry. Also, I work with um, some very, attractive females i've always worked with young females uh throughout my promote like when i was working for i'm working for casinos and we're working for uh, for liquor companies and doing promos and stuff like that um every day or well every week on a weekend if i'm doing a special event or i'm doing a martini fest or whatever it is that i'm doing um not only am i choosing the women that i want to work with but Mm -hmm. i'm there taking notes and i've done that for almost 15 years where i'm taking sort of mental notes while i'm in like like I'm I'm a student I'm like a, a student or a professor I guess of of like watching this kind of happen you know yeah. it's like we're watching the behavior and everything else and a lot of the stuff that I've written in my book has been because I've watched all this now the thing also about the game uh, when the game came out I thought it was great but it wasn't the book that I really wanted 
Right. It was it was entertainment, and it was very entertaining. You know, when you're reading about Courtney Love and you're you know uh, Tom Cruise and and all of these personalities that are in there, that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but it was entertaining, and it wasn't the book that I wanted. And I, I thought it was kind of like almost false advertising because they, they remember uh, they, I don't know the copy that you got, but I got the copy that looks like it's a Bible. It's actually like a like a Bible I, I, with a little I, ribbon in the middle of it. <laughs> I had a digital PDF. Oh, uh, okay. Well, they and then of course you've got like the illustrations and the things that are in there. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man, I wanted something a little bit more yeah. more meat. And so I I technically wrote the book that I thought I wanted to read. Gotcha. Um, and that's that's how that worked. Um, so your book is titled. Let me tell you the story real oh, fast. Go ahead. Right? Go ahead. Uh -huh. Reminded me of something. This story is cool as hell, right? This mm -hmm. is, is going to be classic. I'm going to talk about this yes and now. It's just <laughs> funny, right? So I was on, uh, this is when MySpace was hot. And, um, you know, my page was popping. Uh, you know, I had a crew. I mean, we were young. We had a crew. So everybody's page was popping. We were, we were all moving cohesively. So we we're really popular. And um, this girl hit me up and she was like, yo, you know, um, it's my birthday this weekend. I want you to come hang out with me. Random chick on 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 MySpace. Right. And um, I was like, ah, I checked her out. I was like, ah, yeah. I kind of, you know, pushed her off. On right? MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So um, she comes back later and she's like, I'll pay you. Right. <laughs> OK. <laughs> and I was like, the my first instinct was like, ew, like you're gonna pay me like it, it was like almost like an insult on my manhood I, I can't let no girl pay me you know what i mean mm -hmm. but my pockets was saying bro we need that money <laughs> <laughs> right uh -huh. so the pockets won so <laughs> so i said to her i said all right no doubt how much and then mm -hmm. she was like a hundred dollars and i was like oh i was like yo this gas is kind of expensive out here <laughs> Like I'll cover you again. Uh -huh. Like I thought about, it, I'm like I'm still being a scumbag because she's paying. Me. So I was like, just give me the hundred bucks. It's fine, right? Mm -hmm. So I go and I pick her up, and she's like six foot five. Oh god! And I'm only like five ten, right? Mm -hmm. So five eleven with boots on, right? Mm -hmm. Not even six foot, and she's like six foot four or something like that. And I walk in the house, and I'm like, whoa, that's a huge bitch. <laughs> right so then she's like all right let's go so we walk back to the car and we're supposed to go like hang out and i had my um she said bring my homies with me i could bring my homies with me so he's gonna hook them up with you know the girl her girlfriends so um we go to this one jay-z had the 4040 i think on 25th street in manhattan mm -hmm. so we go we go to the uh 4040 and um when we get there all her both of her friends are sexy as hell <laughs> And I'm at the bar and this tall chick is like grinding up on me. I feel mad awkward. I'm just like, I'm dancing with this huge woman. <laughs> and she's like backing her ass up on me. And I'm just like, I know I look crazy. Everybody's looking at me. <laughs> and then my homeboys are funny as hell. They're laughing at me, waving at me, dancing with the two hot chicks laughing at me. I'm like, oh my God. So we finally leave. I'm like, oh, thank God. This is the worst shit ever. We get back to her house. I pull up. I leave. The car is in, still in drive, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, can you come upstairs? I'm like, wow. <laughs> Damn. So I wanted to be like, nah. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go upstairs. She probably just won't talk, right? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fine. So I park, go upstairs, go in the room. She just starts getting undressed. I'm like, oh, so I'm sitting on the bed looking like a scared child is about to get a whooping. 
I got to get out of here. So she lays down on the bed and then she looks at me and I'm just like looking at her like, oh, you know, like tonight was fun. Like I'm just trying <laughs> <laughs> it's time for me to go Yeah, right uh -huh. for my out. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, she I don't remember the dialogue or anything like that, but she basically, you know, wanted me to like, you know, mess with her or whatever. Mm -hmm. so I start, you know, playing with her labia and all of that. And then she pushes my hand out the way. She's like, I could do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so she literally sat there in orgasms and i'm just sitting there watching her like oh she's dead ass serious so she orgasms and she goes yo now i'm ready i was like yo i gotta be out <laughs> so i fucking bounced and left yo. oh my god never saw her again worst experience ever but she did pay me so i got she gave it. you the hundred dollars for you left <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. Yes, I, I, you know you're talking about like how um how the, maybe it's just a generational thing right now because like I you and I came up I think in uh in a time period where we had to if you were going to be good with women you had to figure it out on your own there yeah. was no there was no there was no community of guys it was just, it was just sort of trial and error kind of thing and you had to actually want to do it I think I think probably since you were in the hip hop community you probably had. A, presume yeah. a similar experience to mine oh uh, i i can remember i this was my game i'll give you a story too this was my game back in the day yeah. is when i was playing it i was playing in some semi-professional gigs at that time and um i can remember i could go and play a show and i'd be uh, before the show would start i would go and we, we were done with sound check whenever and so we could go socialize and that's really the whole thing you're doing because it sure as hell wasn't for the money <laughs> right um so i would go and find a girl and and you start you know talking to her and everything and what i would do is this is i because i was i was dirt poor at the time and i might if i couldn't get a girl to like buy me a drink at that time i would just buy one drink and nurse the whole thing the whole night so i was pretty much sober the whole night as it was so what i would do is i would get a i would find a girl that i like and i would start talking to her and you know you're like you know you're in the club and you're trying to talk and you know in, in each other's ear so you kind of have to get a little bit closer kind of thing yeah. and i would then i'd be like in the middle of it i'd be like oh my uh my band's gotta i gotta go play this gig i had the set right now yeah. watch my drink for me right and so yeah. i would go up and you know play for 45 minutes to an hour come back and if she was still there watching the drink i knew it was on uh, <laughs> i knew that was i knew i'm like okay i can we're going home I, this is a chick for me tonight so that's, like that, was, that. that was my game my game back in there i'm sorry you were gonna say something so, no nah, i like that that's slick man that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how you gotta do it you, you gotta to learn yes. women have to be tested Mm. They have to be tested. You know what I mean? That's a lot of what I talk about in my book, too. But you gave me another story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so there's this in, in hip hop cultures, this movie by Bill Bellamy called How to Be a Player. You ever heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't seen it though. I will it'll go on my Netflix uh queue now. Yeah. Okay. It's hilarious, but I'll be lying if I say I didn't pick up a lot of my game from that movie. It even had Goldie the Pimp in the movie, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm um so it was a lot of game and gems being dropped in that book like you said you know what was it for the black community for me personally i don't know about the black community but for me personally that movie gave me so much game and things to try it, it, but it's it's a lot of it's unhealthy right like mm. in my book i'm talking about like healthy game you know what i mean mm. a lot of how to be a player was just like toxic game right but um so you reminded me of this story in miami right so uh, in how to be a player, what they basically say is when you're dealing with a group of girls, you always talk to the least attractive one. Yep. Right. So uh, I was in Miami. I was a touring artist at the time. And um, 
all my homies had left. My flight was the day after. And, you know, I was like, fuck it. We got to make the best of the day dolo. So I'm walking down the street at night and I see these group of girls. So immediately I just start kicking it with um, giving all my attention, you know, my eye contact to the least attractive one and the other two were hot, you know. So that's how the first hour was like all directed towards them. So, you know, just being a cool dude and just having conversation, they were like, hey, you want to come to the club with us tonight? And, you know, we'd love to hang with you. I'm like, all right, no doubt we could do that. So I was like, boom, perfect. Worked. I mean, I'm talking about walking down uh, Ocean Ave. Girl, you know how the, the restaurants are sitting oh, and yeah. everybody's like outside. Mm -hmm. I, a random group of girls I just pulled up on and it just happened to be that fourth chair open. Three of them, one of me. It was perfect. So I go back to the hotel room, get dressed, whatever. It's time to go to the club. Text them. They said it's still a go. I was like, oh, shit. All right. Boom. So we go to the club. Now we get to the club and I'm feeding my attention to the girl I want. <laughs> And the other girl, I guess she really thought I wanted her. Man, don't you know I made that girl cry, bro? Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I told, that's why I'm saying like there had to be a place stuff sometimes it's toxic. Right. You gotta you gotta you gotta be an ethical player, right? Is that how it yeah. works? <laughs> I ruined it for myself because now they're worried about their homegirl crying. So the night kind of got ruined. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Oh, that's a that is like hitting on well not hitting on but like talking to the least attractive of a set of girls is pickup artistry 101 it's yeah. just that's what you do so your target is one of the girls that's in the group but you have to pivot to that and that's that's the tough part which is like what you're talking about is you don't you want to pivot to that one girl but like there's like there comes a point where sort of like the the least attractive friend realizes that she's not actually the one and so yeah. and you can get some bad feelings for there's ways around that but yeah i, I understand what you're talking about yeah. that is that's old school that yeah, is it's really it's, old school. It's, it's basic stuff. The thing is, you can't, the girl you want, you can never give attention to. You know, you almost got to act like she's not there because everybody mm -hmm. is acting like she's there. She's got eyes all on her. Mm -hmm. So that, you got to be the one dude that's not, that hasn't even looked her direction. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. You have to get her to qualify to you. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, a pimp asked me, I asked a pimp, I was like, yo, you know, um, Cause I'm just like, you never spoken to a pimp before. I'm like standing next to a real live pimp. And I'm just like, you got to ask him for some game. Right. You know? Mm. So I said, yo, yo, give me some advice on picking up women. He was like, don't look at them. <laughs> you know and I'm like, I figured, you know, I'd get like this whole long, you know, dissertation. It, no, that's all he says just to me. Something simple. Yeah. He said, don't look at them. And I was like, <laughs> it was simple yet profound. And he just had me standing there looking like, like I'm waiting for more, but then like as he's, as I'm thinking about what he said, it's just sinking in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm just like, it felt like a whole minute went by and I'm like, yo, you're right. You know? So like, that's the thing, right? You can't, you can't even let her know you interested. For example, when I, when, I, when, when women hit on me and I don't, and I, and I want it to stop, I'll flirt heavily with them and they get disinterested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're giving them because of the the dynamic shifts. It shifts yeah. from like the the one who's qualifying to the other. Like if you are qualifying to her, and she's like, "Well, who else could I get that was better than this guy?" Because mm -hmm. you know, if he's going to qualify to me, then who who else is better than this guy? I and mean, that's really, I mean, that's also what I talk about a lot is hypergamy. Is what is is he the best that I can do? And that it. When I talk about hypergamy, at least re really uh, recently, uh -huh. um, I've been talking about it from uh, 
from the perspective of being in a relationship already. Like guys will always say, well, why would I ever want to get with a girl? Because she's always going to look for the next best guy who's better, you know, better off than me. I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of variables that, that make a woman able to even, you know, use you as a prospect. Right. So, but I you, don't really cover it. Too, I, yeah, exactly. I don't really cover it too much um, if, from a single sense. And I, really that's what you're talking about right here is like when you're, when, uh, when you are qualifying yourself to a woman, yeah, uh, she. That's the thing she's thinking of. Well, if I got this guy, who? Well, what's the best? What's the next? Be and and this guy's good looking, right? He's he's qualifying himself to me. What is this other guy over here who is ignoring me? What does he have going on? Because that's hypergamy is based on doubt, and that doubt is is he the best that I can do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. You don't want to be. I mean, damn, it's. I can't say you don't want to be the control, right? Because being the control is dope, right? It's like mm -hmm. you're the one that all women have to, you know, uh, people compare. who are guys who are comfortable with that do very well. Right. Mm. Right. You know, so I'm one of those people who like I want to be the control, right? Compare every guy to me because I think I'm God, right? Mm -hmm. That's the that's the alpha widow. <laughs> that's the alpha that she ends up widowing to. She's the guy that's in her past. Yeah. That that she always and she gets with you and she's married to you, but she's always thinking about that fun guy that she had sex with in the foam cannon party in Cancun on spring break when she was in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you know, you always want to be the control, but you don't want to be the control as far as it's not in your court. Mm -hmm. You know, when when the, the when it's not in your court, it means um She's already figured you out. She's already evaluated you. The evaluation is complete. Now she's going on to see what's better. If you're the control, but you're like a mystery control, like, wow, there's like so much to this guy. And because that's what women want mystery. Like, does challenge, he like me or does yeah. he not? Mm -hmm. They that challenge, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as you keep that challenge and that mystery going, you're good as the control. Once the control experiment is complete or, or the analysis is complete, then you're probably done. You know what I mean? Um, that's why I always push myself to the next level. For example, with my book, my marketing book, I gave away every single secret I shouldn't have, right? Because I want to push myself to the next level. I do it with women. I'll date a girl, right? I'll date a girl and then I'll give her all my game just to make myself come up with something completely, you know, novel. Yeah. 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 You know, make myself rise to that occasion and just get better you know just so exhaust all of your options so that you create new options yeah. <laughs> so, yeah well okay so um give them the title uh give me the title of your book again or i'll, I'll let you um, do your plug I'll title it right yeah i did um the laws the was it immutable laws of masculinity i don't even know bro <laughs> is that what is that what we're calling it right now? The immutable let's laws explain, of let's let's explain that really sure fast. sure like why don't i know the title of my book First of all, I don't care about the title of my book. And that's counterintuitive. Like a lot of people say you should care about the title of your book. You should know it. Tell people SEO and, you know, copywriting and all this stuff. And I'm like, the way I look at it is the meat of what's inside my book is like, it's, it's crazy, right? So um, the book's with the editor and it hasn't been in my mind since I finished um, writing it. You know what I mean? I'm My mind is, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm on the next. So, yeah. 
yeah, I'm in startups. So it's like we have these Bitcoin problems that we have to figure out, you know, I have the Jifatize app. These kinds of things are in my forward mind. This book to me is is a hobby. It's like this is this is this book is like my gift to people. It's like here, bro. I had this like laying around. It's going to fucking change your life. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I'm going to pull up the cover here. Uh, yeah. The mutable laws for masculinity. Mm. I got it right here. Hold on. Yeah. Let me throw this on. You know, um, because hold up, I got men. Write. Men need a certain structure to their life when dealing with women. There you go. And that's what this is. It's up. Yeah, I got it up right there. Yeah, the oh, the unbreakable rules of masculinity, mm. and we got Hannibal Barker there. Yeah, you changed that. You changed that from Hercules to Hannibal. Tell me why you did that. Why did you want to do that? Heraclitus. Heraclitus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very racial. Mm -hmm. You know, um. When my when my designer first did the cover, um, he put Heraclitus on it. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I want a white man on my book. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then um, but I was like, you know, that's like stupid. Right. So I was like, I don't care, like who's on the cover of my book. Like I said, like, why am I married to this cover of the book? Why am I married to the title of the book? I shouldn't be married. Just put it out. The, it's what's inside that matters. Right. Mm. Then I got an email from somebody because I sent the cover out like A, B testing in my email list. Like, you know, what do you guys think about this cover? And somebody goes, you're going to put a white man on your book. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn. All right, fine. yo. like, you know, like sometimes like things just keep hitting you because, mm -hmm. you know, it might not settle with you later on in life. So mm -hmm. I was like, can we put Hannibal Barco on there, yo, just to yeah. appease my inner spirit, my inner racial supremacy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny is when I did the third book, I did positive masculinity was my third book and people like they knew what I, they knew what my, that was my working title and it ended up becoming the actual title of it. And yeah. people hit me up and they're like, why are you calling it positive masculinity? That means that there's a negative masculinity or that, be, that everybody wants to suddenly have a, uh, an, an opinion on what masculinity is. And I'm like, I'm glad you think so. Cause you're going to really enjoy this book. Cause that's exactly what I talk about in this book. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got an opinion, man. Everybody wants to tell you how you should do your thing. Yeah. You know, and even with the book cover, I wasn't even sure, mm -hmm. you know, if I wanted somebody on the cover, you know, I love your book and how there's nobody, there's no graphic and right. That's the rational. Mode. I love that approach much better than what we have now. We, you know, I might, after this podcast, I might say to you, love, remove him completely. Like, yeah, we'll do something. Oh, not do something else, just remove them. That mm -hmm. doesn't look like we're removed, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. just lower third with the title, you know? I don't mm -hmm. know. But um, yeah, I just love stuff like that. I'll tell you about the, the cover of my book. The reason that well, I'm I'm a designer by trade. So I want I I actually started and I did this backwards here. And here is some some advice to people who want to get into self-publishing. Um I made a lot of mistakes in the very beginning, and everybody knows that too, because I still have to go back and do a second edition of the first book because of all the you know typos and, and everything else in there. Um, but I wanted to I, I I went backwards. I didn't I wrote the book um, and I wrote it in my design program. So while I, I'm doing it in like I think it was Adobe uh, Creative Suite or something something like that, um, mm -hmm. uh, something. And so I. Um, I built it in that because I wanted to see how it would flow because I want, I'm an artist, right? I wanted to see what the, I wanted to see where I was going to place, uh, you know, the different fonts. And I wanted to make sure that this is what, a, a you know, a chapter header is going to look like. And here's what it's they, it, yeah, right. I wanted to look at it and I wanted to see it in my, in my face before I put it out there. And I thought all I was ever going to do was do a, uh, uh, 
a, a print book, a physical print book. And then everybody says, well, you need to have a, a Kindle too. And I'm like, God damn. So what I had to do is I had to go and, and uh, copy out all of the, the text that was in the print book, put huh. it into a, a format that was easier to read in Kindle. And I didn't even know I needed that. And then later people said, well, now you need to get an audio book on Audible for this because people, you know, men don't read, they listen to things, you know, like they were, they'll be at the gym and they want to listen to, to what you have to say. It's like, right. So then I went and I had to do that. Now that's my process with, with the second and the third books, but like my intent with all of my books is to make them look like an actual book because just as we were saying before, when it comes to like the barrier for entry into these, into this new media, self-publishing is one of those new medias. So anybody can be an author right now there. You don't have to go through like random house or penguin publishing or any of this other stuff. It's nice. If you do that, maybe you get a little bit more on your royalties, but you don't have to do that. And a lot of people know that that is one of the reasons why Amazon owns 87% of the, of the publishing industry right now, because that's what people do. They go, Hey, I, I don't, I, they don't even need an editor anymore. They just go and they just put out whatever it is that they want to do. Now it's better if you do have an editor as I've learned by myself. Um, but I, I, from the beginning, I wanted it to look like a book because now that I, you know, getting involved with more self-published authors, I'll look through the book and it, they do it the opposite way. They, they think they're okay. We're going to just going to do a, a Kindle book and people are going to, you know, electronic book and people will read that. And then a, a print book is always kind of like maybe an afterthought for me, the print book is first. And right. that's another, boy, this will get you the, uh, that's another thing that's very, very important to me is like, I make the least amount of money on my print books because right. that, that the, that's the lowest royalty that I get. Um, mm -hmm. But that is the book, that is the format that I push the most because you can't delete that. And guys right. like Roosh just got all like, you know, got their, their books deleted. Um, there's some other people that I know who have had their books deleted from, you know, they, they closed out their account on Amazon simply because the people on Amazon don't like what they had to say. Mm. You know, it's funny. We have, I was, I was making these comparisons. Like when Roosh got all of his, his books, um, uh, banned from Amazon. I was looking through Amazon's book catalog and I, I came across, I remembered this from reading an article about it, but there's this, there's this one woman who writes pornography about Bigfoot and it's called come for me. Bigfoot is the, is, and it's a series. It's not just one book. It's like, like 10 <laughs> books, you know, because it's, that's, it's that popular. Right. And it's, and it's pornography for women and it's called come for me bigfoot and the woman was making something like $30,000 a month off of just that one book and i'm thinking damn i'm in the wrong i need to start writing you know what do they call it xeno porn or something like that it's like you know there's a monster that comes and has sex with them um and i'm thinking they that is okay on amazon but to talk about intersexual dynamics from a more masculine perspective is not that will get you banned and that is kind of a frightening thought to me right now. Now, I always promoted the, the print books because that's what I was most proud of. Now I'm promoting it because I need people to have those things in their hands mm -hmm. because I don't know how long, you know, any of us are going to be around. You we were just talking about deplatforming yesterday on, on Rogan. Um, right. But I know, it's scary. I, I knew that was I knew that was the case. I knew Amazon. All right. So in the movie, you know, I mean, the movie in the book Fahrenheit 451, you familiar with it? Yes. Yeah, okay, book so burnings. Yep. They burn books, right? So what does Amazon call their products? Kindle. Kindle. <laughs> Kindling. Right. Yeah. Right. That means yes. fire. I didn't even think about that. That's true. And what's the other product they have? 
um that's related to fire is kindle and um it's fire stick that's the um the thing you plug into your tv so you right. can, and yeah. fire stick you see so when you take books and fire they're letting you know we're gonna burn the books we don't approve <laughs> oh man i didn't even think about that that's true this is what i thought about when i first saw it said amazon kindle i was a boy scout right so it just took me back to boy scout days where we start fires using kindling mm -hmm. so as soon as i saw the word kindle I was like, doesn't that mean fire? Then I looked it up to verify myself and I said, yo, I mean fire. I was like, oh, Amazon about to start burning books. I saw this like 10 years ago, but maybe because, you know, um, my mom was so close to high school and reading that book and that book touched me so much mm -hmm. that maybe that's why it was so fresh on my head and a lot of people don't pick it up, you know? But that book was like, it was like Orwell to me at that time. But yeah, yo, that's what Amazon's here to do. They're here to burn information they don't agree with. Yes, I know. The boundary has to be pushed. Yeah. And I think we're seeing a lot of that sort of ramped up. And I mean, we are now in the election season. Let's be honest. We're we're six months into this year. And I really I, I think that what we what you were talking about as far as with, you know, Google and everything with with Joe, um, that is that's some scary shit right now, um, because a lot of like what we were just talking about before, how the, that barrier to in, entry is so, so cheap. The, the, the barrier to exit is also just as cheap, so they can kick you off just as easily as they can put you into it. So yeah, you know, be careful what you are making yourself financially dependent upon these days. Oh, um, yeah. so, so in the book, in, in, uh, the, grab it again yeah in the book unbreakable rules of, of masculinity what are the unbreakable rules of masculinity do you is it like a list of them i i've skimmed through like yeah. the very first part of it let's see uh well the book starts out with uh, uh the exegesis of the inverse correlation between uh attention and uh reciprocation mm -hmm. so i go into that whole dynamic what we talked about before about you know not giving women attention right mm -hmm. um so chapter one is every compliment is a stab. Social thirst is a mental disorder. A man with options is, what does it say? A man with options is a desired man. Don't give her your time. Learn to create distance. A man isn't a man until he's a gentleman. You come first. Equilibrium is your power source. Talk, don't cook rice. Women are the apex predator. Uh, she don't want to be saved demonstration defeats explication lonely men get no love hate is love never argue with her and how to win an argument with her uh choose money over her learn how to pick on a weak man is no man an empty sack makes an empty man turn down the yoni never ask for never ask her out on a date and say no to soy is the last chapter hmm. Now, why did you write that? Why did you feel the need to write all of that? Um, I have sons, right? So yes. um, when we're dealing with uh, our boys, we always think about how do we set them up for the future? Like, God forbid something happens to me, how do we set them up for the future? So right. I'm thinking about now, like, if I was to give them a guidebook to women, you know, what could I give my sons? So uh, that that was, it was like, son, this is how you need to think about women. But the the thing is this book is supposed to just make you a complete man um mm. you know uh, a stoic man you know a lot of people like to say stoicism well this book if you're a stoic you'll love this book you know if you love stoicism you'll love this book but it's just teaching you how how you know to be stoic mm -hmm. now did you did was your father instrumental in your life was did he teach you this kind of stuff or was your father around 
Oh, yeah. He was instrumental, man. My dad is my God. Really? Yeah. My dad is my God, man. You know, sometimes, you know, my dad would come down really hard on me. And my, 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 my girl would be like, yo, why you why you let him talk to you like that? I'm like, yo, that's my dad. Like me and my dad have a different type of relationship. You know, me and my dad have that. Um, like that African, you know, that island. My dad's from the island, right? My dad's from mm -hmm. Jamaica and he's a military man. So, you know, their dynamic is very, it, it, it's almost uh, feudal where there's the king and then the, he's raising the prince, but he raises the prince very harsh, you know, very hard and crude. Um, and his love is 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 shown in in in, in unusual ways, right? Um, my dad spoiled me when I was a kid, but he, he was really hard on me too. Um, but he's my God, man. And dude, I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to call him MacGyver because, um, you know, if you ever watched the episode of MacGyver, mm -hmm. he always finds a way, right? Mm -hmm. To create something, improvise. Yes. He's improvising and adapt. adapt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my, that was my dad, you know, like no matter what was, uh, you know, he was an electrician. So he maintained our house, you know, I helped him build the basement, you know, I helped him on construction sites, all of that. So, um, I got, you know, like I got a, a lesson in that, you know, some dudes out here came and changed a tire. I was changing the oil on my car, like religiously, you know, like I didn't take it to the place. I changed my oil. You know, we jacked it up in the garage and I changed my oil. You know, they don't know to change the oil filter. They don't to change the tire. They don't to do a lot of things. You know what I mean? So my, I had a, you know, I had a, I had a man's man as a dad and, and he, he's like, he is the best thing that ever happened to me. I always said if, if I didn't have him, I'd probably be like a drug dealer, somebody locked up in jail or something because I dream so wild that mm -hmm. if I didn't have somebody that would bridle it and tell me I could do anything and it doesn't have to be illegal, I don't know where I'd be. But my dad is like, oh, my God, like he's like, a, yo, it's a good influence on you. Yeah, I, I see that. I, 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 I think I look at him. I always say, like, I can't feel that dude's shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. That's good, man. It's because that's a very uh, that's a very rare story right now. And like yeah. when you were talking about how, you know, you learned to pick up women in the clubs and, and your background and my background as well. Like we came from a, a different generation. And I don't know how old you are, but I think we both came from a different generation where we had to figure things out or we had to have somebody that was going to be a guide to us rather than you know, oh, I'm going to learn how to do this on YouTube. You know, like you can, you can figure out anything right now online if you really try to. And that's why you have these books. But I think one of the reasons why like authors like myself and you and, and this kind of stuff that were so popular, like, if you look at like somebody like Jordan Peterson, like Jordan Peterson fell into the niche that he is in. And the, the reason that he fell into a niche is because there is a generation of lost boys. There's a, there's a, a millennial generation who have had no guidance and have no, yeah. they don't, you know, and so they've been brought up in a very feminized, very female centric way with with either with with a non-existent father I mean, was it 43 percent of children are born out of wedlock right now right and so right. that means that there is not a father in that house and yeah. that woman is either having to you know to to create a at least a semblance of masculinity like become the the masculine model and i think that that's kind of like the height of hypocrisy for women right now is that that they believe that they can be an equally effective father as they can be an equally effective mother yeah. and um i think that's why you're seeing the, like things like the manosphere come up or like why why books like like or why, why jordan, jordan peterson is like a rock star 
Yeah. And it's like I can rem and I tried to be a rock star. You tried to be, you know, you were in in hip hop for a while. You know, yeah. people would come to see you for your talent. They they would come to see you. He's packing like halls. You know, like back in the day, you had to be in a band, and there was a, there was a a huge you know barrier to entry in that. Right. Um, and you had to have something that people wanted. And, and again, I think that one of the reasons he's so popular right now and, and really because, you know, why my books are popular and everything is because people never got that education. Yeah. And so they made decisions based on a lack of education and a lack of understanding. And right. it got them into a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I just I just wanted to get your, your, your feel on that. I mean, is that why you wrote the book? I mean, my dad was he didn't talk to me a lot about girls. You know, mm -hmm. I kind of just learn from watching my dad just like you know picking up off his vibe you know but my dad was like super strict right where the point where i couldn't say yeah i couldn't respond to my parents with yeah it was either yes mommy no mommy yes daddy no daddy it couldn't be yes it had to be yes what yes daddy you know it was i would that's how strict my household was you know um my father was uh, a drill sergeant in the military his intelligence section you know he 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 treated me like a soldier, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and 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 that training and that upbringing um, made me who I am. You know, it was it provided me. So, you know, he would challenge me. You know, he would man, I'd be home chilling. Right. Mm -hmm. Doing what I want to do. My dad would call me up and make me be tech support for one of his friends. I'd be on our tech support, like literally any random day of the week. I had to do remote tech support for people when, when this is windows 95 you know what i mean mm. like just forcing me to be better putting me in situations that made me rise to the occasion and that is what helped me understand women in life just understanding how to look at problems once you understand how to look at problems any problem looks the same pretty much you just got to figure out you know the nuances of it all but that's what my dad did man he just is like you know still man he just sharpened the fuck out of me man and um, I didn't turn out what he expected, you know. Um, you know, he wanted a soldier, and I'm a rock star. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I know my dad was Navy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so he wanted a soldier, but I turned out to be a rock star. But not to say he's not proud of me. It's just you know, he did, that's not what you expected. Um, but it's only because you know how him and my mother raised me, man. My mother was, yeah. I remember I was privileged too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, my mother was a six-figure earner my father was a six-figure earner you know we we vacation two three times a year money was you know if i wanted something i got it if, you know like i remember going my pops to computer shows man we was building computers with the state of the art when the first cd burner came out i was you know we had it when when 2x cd burners went to 14x i was the one that told my dad nah wait they about to come out with a 32x 52x is about to go crazy we waited like a few months and the 32x came out you know and then we had the iomega zip drive so technology was surrounded yeah. you know what i mean i remember so, like my, my parents was like like they had papers so i don't come from you know poverty but the thing is um my parents had to work right so uh, in the summer, I would go to my grandma's house in the hood and I'd be around all my hood cousins. So that's what made me well balanced. You know, I had book smarts and then I had to be in the streets, you know, with my cousins while mm -hmm. out in the hood. And then I got my street smarts there. So I had my book smarts from the suburbs. Then every summer I got my hood smarts. Mm -hmm. So it made me this holistic individual, man. What do you think that most 
guy like guys of this gender, like people who are going to read your book, what do you think that they need to learn the most about masculinity, about conventional, traditional masculinity? Because I, I, right now I see, um, I'm big on on hashtag gender war right now, and I don't mean like oh we're all going to get together and fight with women or something. Right. Like that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that they, there's there are gender issues or there are intersexual dynamic issues that are being politicized right now for mm. for political gain, particularly right. in this. And and you know really it's been building up to that since before Trump got elected. Yeah. But it's it's I think it's uh it's only escalating that much more right now but like we just like back in january we had that gillette commercial uh you remember the gillette yeah, commercial yeah. that came out and then um but even prior to that we had the apa the american psychological association mm -hmm. classifying traditional quote-unquote tr traditional masculinity as mm -hmm. being like damaging or being like a disorder so if you like if you subscribe to like the kind of stuff like your dad subscribed to yeah. that that was in some way like like setting you up for failure it's instilling like toxic masculinity into you right now so to me like one of the reasons i wrote the, the third book was because i wanted to sort of challenge that narrative with positive masculinity and really i, I probably could have called it conventional masculinity because i do right. think that there are aspects um, of masculinity that are unique to men because we tend to think that we, because we believe in like we still to this day believe in the blank slate we still believe in egalitarian equalism between the sexes that a woman can be just as masculine quote unquote masculine as a as a man but there are certain aspects of conventional masculinity that are unique to men so in your book maybe or um, is, as an example like what do you think like this generation needs to learn about masculinity so uh i'm gonna be the cliche hip-hop aficionado with this one and say scarface the movie <laughs> the watch watch guy movies <laughs> now nah, the world is yours you know mm -hmm. at the end of the movie they say the world is yours you know that was the you know that was the thesis of that the world is yours and and when i say that i mean it because i think a lot of men don't think that things around them are under are, are, I think they believe that things around them are out of their control. And they say you can't control things around you in the space. And, and, and what I say is, if you control yourself, you can control your surroundings. Mm -hmm. How you walk in the room determines how you're going to be treated in that room, right? So if I walk in a room with my chest poking out, everybody in that room is going to treat me like a dude with my chest poking out. I'm going to have some respect. If I walk in a room and I look like I'm sad and wimpy, that's how people are going to treat me. You know what I mean? They're going to react based upon that. So your vibe no matter where you are in this world or, or your your environment around you you know so i for example um i demand respect right you don't get to talk to me any old kind of way you know sometimes you know you'll meet somebody new and you know they'll think you're really cool and they'll joke with you right and some people will laugh it off like ha 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 even though they were kind of offended and i'll look you dead and i'll be like yo that's just not funny yo you know but you gotta you gotta set the precedent in every situation you're in. You have to demand respect from from how your aura glows. Not to sound too new agey, but your aura has to exude the 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 environment you want to create. It has to resonate. It has to it has to mirror that. Is a better way to say that. Mm -hmm. Your life mirrors who you are. So that in my book, I, I basically create a mold for how i operate in this world that that makes people demand you know that that 
that forces people to um, give me respect. Um, and and that's really the difference between uh, having a girl that is loyal and having one that's not is the level of respect. Mm. That's you what know? we call that's what we call frame in well in my book, but in in yeah. in the well you know it's funny the pickup artist community used to talk about frame as in like you have to have a world for that for that woman to enter into, and a lot of people thought well that's just you like putting up some sort of false facade or you're just sort of building this narrative for her to believe in even though it's not actually real and i'm like no you need to make that real you need to actually build a life for yourself and build a world into which she wants to she wants to enter into mm -hmm. and so i think a lot of that probably, probably i mean just by another name is what you're calling about is frame and frame is actually something that is a psychological term it's not just about pickup artistry or anything like that it's a it's guy it, it like when you go into like if you have a cubicle job or you're you're, you're working for another guy the eight hours that you are at your job, you are in your boss's frame. You do what he tells you to do. Your your his interests become your interests, and you right. have to you have to work within that world. Well, that's that's one example of many uh, in in a, in a family. Like you were just saying a minute ago about how your dad, you know, it's not just yes, daddy, uh, yes, dad, yes, it's yes, daddy, or it's yes, whatever. Yeah. Um, that there is that that expectation of respect because you are working uh, kids know this from a very early age is like you are in your parents frame because you are dependent on them feeding you and clothing you and you know, putting a roof over your head so you are right. working within their friends so their interests become your interests and, and hopefully you've got good parents and that there is mutual interest so when you're with a woman that same thing applies so you have to have you have to have that that frame for that woman to enter into and most guys for most guys frame is is very weak it's uh it's something that's easily broken because they have been brought up to believe that women have a like a default respect rather than an earned respect men, men and women do, when it comes to when it comes to respect men and women have different concepts of that because women expect respect for just being a woman for guys, it's meritorious. It's it's something that you have to like. You have to earn. You have right. to earn respect, right? Um, and so, part of that is when when. So here you have you've got a, a man who who is got his own world. He's got his own frame, and he is the guy who commands respect. Like people respect him just because they you know he is who he is, kind of thing. Um, the that is that's one side of frame. And the other side of frame is like building up some sort of like kind of fake world for yourself so that that women can enter into it and then they realize okay this guy is not who he said he is and can i do better we and then we default to the question right can i can i do better than this guy and so mm -hmm. that's when you get that disrespect oh uh, well i don't know if i agree with the whole creating world thing it mm -hmm. sounds kind of bogus to me to be honest mm -hmm. um I, I believe it has to do with um you know, it's it's really a deep respect, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, a woman don't don't doesn't. She doesn't respect a man that's lazy. She respects a man that's working, you know, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and and even you worrying about whether she's in your world or not is the wrong approach. You know, mm -hmm. a man is not supposed to be concerned with a woman in any sort of way mentally at all. You know, if if you bring her into your world and she leaves you should not be affected by that mm -hmm. you know you should it, it, she's just uh you know uh, an accessory right right the, the, one of the things i've always said is that a woman should only be a complement to a man's life never the focus of that man's life 
Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think a lot of times we make the women a focus and, right. and you make her the focus. She's disinterested. She loses all respect for you because she's like, you could do anything in this world and you're just worrying about little old me. That's what she's saying in, in the back of her mind. She doesn't know it either. But that's what she's basically saying. She's like, oh, this is kind of boring. She's turned on when man forges ahead when he wants to go to the moon. You know, when we think about like, you know, back in the day when generals left to go to war, that shit was turning women on. You know, mm -hmm. and then they came back and they were in love. <laughs> you know, yeah. this man just went out and killed a bunch of people when he came back to me and he's got these scars. Let me take care of him. But she has that respect because he went out to do what was right for the fam. Mm -hmm. If he stayed back home, you know, while everybody was out at war and he chimped out, you know, well, what is everybody going to say? They're like, oh, you ain't getting no ass. You get no book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think as far as when, when we're talking about frame here, it's not that you're building that frame for that woman. Right. Not like it, I think really it comes down to a. I've I've heard this before. People, it comes down to a question of intent. Like people right. say, are you going to the gym because you want chicks to like you? You want women to like you? Or are you going be because you're going there because you want to go? You actually have an interest in going to the gym. Like right. what is what is your? It's called crisis of motive. That's what it is. And so, what are you actually doing things for? Is it are you doing it because that's just who you are, or are you doing it because you have another motive that is attached to that, or maybe it's both. You know, right. maybe maybe you have have it as well. I would never I would never want to get in bed with a chick that wants to be a part of my world, though. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I don't you mean so? Because that does that that seems like that seems like she's more in love with the world than she is with like who you are. No, well, no. It has again. It has nothing to do with judgment of her. I don't care what she thinks. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it's about what does she want out of life? If all she wants out of life is to be in my world, she's no good to me. Mm -hmm. We, she has to have her own world and our worlds have to blend. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't just be if she's an accessory, then I can have 10, 20 of her. I can, you know, wear a, a lot of different pieces of jewelry. Right. That's not what 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 is going to be beneficial for the man. What a man needs is a woman that also has vision. Right. And wants to forge ahead too. you know, whether it's with the kids or her own personal endeavors. But her aspirations have to be higher than just wanting to latch on to you. Otherwise, mm -hmm. at that point, she's just a parasite. Right. And she's just living. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I've, I've said this. With my, well, actually, you know, this is a quote from my wife. My wife has always said that, you know, when marriage is like playing mixed doubles, right? When you're, when you're playing like t tennis, you have to both cooperate to hit the ball back across the, the net. And if you're right. hitting the ball at each other or one of you's playing and the other one's not, you are not, you're not going to win that game. Right. She's got to have her own skills. Mm -hmm. Yes. Her own yes. racket. You know, I think we keep picking up these girls as are skillless. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, so for example, Jeff Bezos, his wife wrote the first business plan, right? Mm -hmm. The one that got them that big, like, if you don't got a woman in your life that can have her own idea, concept of the world to add to yours, then what are you, what are you really doing out here other than attracting parasites? Right. You're dragging her along. Yeah, get yourself a powerful woman, you know, somebody who who with or without you would be great. Mm -hmm. If she's not going to be great with or without you, she can't help you, really. She's mm -hmm. just, you know, you might as well just hire a, an assistant, hire a maid. <laughs> you know, you can pay somebody to do the assistance to your life, right? Well, okay, I I I listened to you talk about this on on Joe Rogan, and you were mentioning something about like uh, about women and femininity, 
Right. Now, what what do you th- what we just talked about masculinity? What do you think that women need to know about femininity? I don't know. I'm not a man, right? Uh-huh. So, and that's another one of my things like I don't get involved in female business, mm-hmm. right? I don't I don't I don't understand femininity to the point where you know, I could speak on it with in an authoritative manner. Do you um, think women need to be more feminine? Right now? I, I don't know. I don't know what that means today. Right. Mm-hmm. Like people's idea of feminine has nothing to do with my idea of feminine. Right. When when I think of feminine, I'm hotep. Right. So feminine means to receive energy and male means to send energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about women being feminine, are they operating in their feminine energetic capacity? And I'm getting a little new agey here, but that's how we work over here at Hotep. But is she operating in her feminine energy? The external things mean shit like getting dressed and wearing makeup and, you know, you know, all that. That that really doesn't mean anything, you know, but is she operating her feminine energy? What I would say is, you know, I could, you know, collaborate with some of my sisters and let them tell, you know, what femininity is. But I really don't know what femininity is today. You know, it's it's. It's, you know, male female relationships are just really weird right now. And they're not, they're not, they're not real. They're mm-hmm. not organic. They're not how we were when life first began. They're so manipulated, you know, based upon advertising and marketing and, and, you know, capitalism and socialism or whatever you want to call it. But the system that we live in now doesn't even allow a woman to, 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 operate in her womanly capacity right so you know you say feminine it's like today you kind of need a masculine woman Mm. (laughs) you you know you need a woman that is going to be understanding how to build a business like to me building a business is masculine i feel like women shouldn't touch it at all but then there's the other side of me what is like i don't want to be with a woman that doesn't want to be in business Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like that so it's like, where's that balance? And I think women don't have a balance, but you know, right now, femininity, you know, is it seems to be um, attacking, right? That's not feminine. Feminine doesn't attack, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what they're designed to do. So women who are on the attack are not feminine, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like where I leave it. So yeah, well, I was I was gonna say is that, and this is I, I get into this a little a little bit in the third book is that. It, it seems to me that we have, because we're really ever since the sexual revolution, we have brought, because we believe in this blank slate equalism, like men and women could just be whatever the hell they want to be, right? Um, that there is no like natural evolved nature for women or men for that matter. That's why we feminize men and we masculinize women that through this, this process of creating you know, for, for empowering women or to, toward, you know, toward bringing them up to, to where we have, where, where they are right now, really. I mean, we if you saw the debates last night, it's like the whole field's almost women. Um, if you, what, what I'm seeing here anyways, is that, um, we're masculinizing women more, um, to yeah. the point where they don't, well, to the point where they don't know, um, they don't know. It, it, it seems to me like, feminism has taught women not to do anything feminine like it's it's almost like it's a, a capitulation to to yeah. failure to like if you want to be a, if you want to be a mother or if you want to be a, a wife that's like a failure that's like a wasted life for a woman right. that's, that's what we're getting whereas if that you know so 
consequently, women don't make that choice. They, they, women are getting, where I mean, we see the marriage rates. Marriage rates, are getting, as far as the age of marriage is concerned, it's getting later and later and later in life. And women are waiting longer and longer to have children. I mean, they're freezing eggs right now because they think that when they get to be 40, if they haven't found Mr. Right, then they could just go get artificial insemination. Mm -hmm. uh, those kind of things. It's almost like they're planning they're 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 planning contingencies for not you know for not hooking up for not getting with a guy for not with you know not marrying and and be, being able to like you were saying start a natural family i think that I absolutely agree with you on that is that the all of that natural order all of that the 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 natural process between men and women coming together has been like just thrown up in the air right now yeah, it's in disharmony and you know the other thing is um what i think the main thing is women want to be men now right like oh absolutely yeah if men are doing something oh we can do it too we want to do it too and it's just like yo you have your own superpowers sweetie you don't got to use mine you know mm -hmm. and that's what i'm saying they're not operating in their female capacity because they're great at doing things we're not and we're great at doing things they're not but it's like they want to do what we do and we like look sweetie what we do ain't even all it's cracked up to be like yeah <laughs> you know, you know yeah. We don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I always I subscribe to a complementarian um, mentality when it comes to it. I don't believe in in the blank slate equalism. I don't believe that because yeah. I I've seen too much too much information when it comes to biological differences, psychological differences, hell, sociological differences between men and women to think that that a man uh, that a a woman can make just as an effective man as a man can make an effective woman, you know, those, those sides of things. And there's something too, like something in our innate nature, when we see a, like a overly feminized guy, you know, wearing makeup or guy in drag or something like that. When we look at that, we go, there's, it, it, it doesn't, it registers a little bit different to us. Like there's some sort of imbalance at least. I'm not going to say whether you, whether you think that's right or wrong, I'm not going to make a judgment call right there. I let other people do that, but, there is something that we see in an imbalance when it comes to that. So when you see a very hyper-masculinized woman, we go, there's there's some sort of imbalance right there. And the reason for that is because we were meant to be complements to one another. The strengths that I have as a man, as a masculine man, outweigh the weak or offset the weaknesses for my wife and vice versa. So there's a, there are aspects of my my wife who she has strengths and they offset my weaknesses. And together, we're we're better together than we are apart. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get weirded out when I say that because they think that the well, Rolo's just he just hates women and look he he just talks about uh, he, all of the negative 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 stuff. It's like no no not at all. In fact, I the it, in the beginning I started out this kind of thing when I started writing so that I could raise awareness and so I could give guys the tools for it. And as things have progressed to where they are right now, I see guys wanting to isolate themselves. They want to say, you know what? I don't have anything to do with women whatsoever. I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to get me too'd, right? I don't want to even make an approach. I don't want to to involve myself with women like you were just talking a little bit of, just prior to all of, you know, before this um, about how you enjoy the company of women. Yeah. Well, there are there is a there is a demographic of young men today, eighteen to thirty years old, who don't don't want to be around women because either they're afraid or they don't, they never learned how to, how, like, you know, like, how to run games. So, so, so to speak. Yeah. They listen to the media, man. They didn't let the media scare you from these women, man. Um, you know, sometimes I talk about being scared of women, but it's a joke, but you know, here's the, here's the big issue, right? So 
you asked me the question, you said, what should, what should women do? Right. Mm -hmm. And what I feel and the first thing I said was like, I don't know. Right. Because that's the most honest answer I could give. And, and it's because women are trying to tell men how to be men and men are trying to tell women how to be women. And that's where we mess up. So, uh, Dr. Teller Burroughs, she just, um, quoted me uh, on Twitter just now from this. She said, give yourself a powerful woman, not a parasite, right? So she's recognizing game. So Dr. Taylor Burroughs, she's a specialist in, you know, femininity, right, with women. So what I say is, you know, if we want to know, if women want to know, you know, how can you be more feminine, don't ask Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus is focused on getting the men right, because my philosophy is if we get the men right, the women will get right, right? So that's why I don't concern myself with understanding the woman. I concern myself with understanding the man, because they're going off of our vibe. Once we're correct, all of this stuff gets corrected. The only reason why things are imbalanced is because of man. We've fallen from our grace, right? So when I say what I say is, ladies, go talk to Dr. Taylor Burroughs, right? So then what, what can happen is we can take the Dr. Taylor Burroughs of the world, rational male, hotep Jesus. We all sit down at this, let's say, a grand council. And at this grand council, we say, look, this is masculine, right? And they'll say, well, no, we don't think that's masculine. And then the conversation begins. Then we go, we don't think that's feminine. And we go, well, and they'll go, well, that is feminine. And then we'll we'll have that debate, right? But the conversation has to start happening across, you know, across the table so that um we can understand women from women, right? Not mm -hmm. understand women from some man or or understand men from some woman and have that dialogue. What happens is uh, this gender war, like you talked about, is ending that dialogue. And that's what they want. They want a rift between man and woman. So when a man enters a room, he fears the woman. He doesn't know what to do. He's discombobulated in that room with the woman. And that is the problem. You see what I'm saying? They don't want us talking. They don't want us getting along. But that's exactly what we need to do. Yeah, that is exactly. I'll tell you, that's true. They certainly don't want us talking right now. Um, I the As far as a as far as the gender war and what I'm what I'm seeing right now is is because we live in a like a more feminine primary society. Just having that conversation right. make makes you makes you an evil guy, makes you a, a misogynist just for even trying to ask the questions of you know what is what is femininity? What should femininity entail? Right? Well, okay, right. you know you want to bring women to the table. Fine, we bring women to the table for that, but. I can't be demonized for being a man for wanting to be at that table and actually have that conversation in the first place. Mm. And that's what, and, and you're hundred percent right about that when it comes to the gender war. Um, it, and again, I don't mean, you know, we're going to be, you know, fighting with each other physically. I mean, let's say a cold war, let's just say um, it is a, a war of the narrative. It's a war of the words right here. So when you look at something like that Gillette commercial, or you look at, um, I think there was like a Nike commercial not too long ago. It's for some reason, it's like all these, you know, quote unquote male brands are suddenly turning into a message system for, uh, for the feminine imperative where it's like, you know, this is the way you got to go. And real honestly, I think they're doing this because, they want a woman in the white house they want to put they want to put a woman to the, up i would i would be very surprised if a woman wasn't running against trump in in 2020 right now uh -huh. um it, you know maybe that'll happen maybe that won't I, in fact i've i've predicted that it will probably be a it'll be a woman it'll be two women it'll be a woman for president and for vice president and i think there'll probably be some sort of groundbreaking thing i don't know necessarily they'll win but 
but I think that 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 is I think really what's going on right now is by the time November 2020 rolls around, they will want you to hate men so much that it will seem like a moral imperative for you to vote for a woman. You know, it was funny, though. Mm -hmm. I was uh, at this Trump rally and this lady was talking about that. And she was like, you know, basically talking about how white men, this white men, that we got to get a white man out of office. And then I brought up uh, Tulsi Gabbard and she had never mm -hmm. heard of Tulsi Gabbard. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, you out here talking about how white men evil and you don't even know about this POC woman that's running for election, right? <laughs> but you out here talking about some woman empowerment. And I said, so who should I vote for? She was like, well, Biden. So I'm like, so you want me to trade one white man for another white man? Mm -hmm. But you said men are, men are bad, right? So how are men bad, but you want me to vote for another man? There's a lot of confusion out here. But um, I don't think, I don't think uh, they'll let a woman, I don't think they'll let a woman be president, you know? I don't think they'll let a woman be president because, yo, you let a woman be president, mm -hmm. she might, you might have to JFK. I don't know if I could say that, but y'all know what I was about to say. Right, you know right. That might, it might be that type of treatment because a woman, a man, you know, you tell a man, oh, you know, I'll murder you and your whole family, da 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 da. da you know what I mean? But a woman, she be like, I don't give a fuck. Do that shit. I just. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, I mean, crazy. You catch them at the wrong time. No yeah. Time family for what they believe in well see here's a here's the thing that i wrote a, um i wrote an article and um this was like right after the uh the 2016 election and it was me sort of like throughout the 2015 to 2016 election cycle i was sort of taking mental notes and writing stuff down as i'm doing all this about what's going on in an intersexual like gender politics basically is what you know between between trump and hillary and this is the way that i saw it is that Hillary represented like the gestalt feminine, right? She was all, she was the most extreme example that you could get of a woman who was a feminist, who is, you know, uh, a, a you know, the power suit woman, you know, like she was, she was the, the empowered female archetype and the only person on planet earth who could go up against that extreme of an archetype was Donald was Donald Trump because he was the he's the stereotypical white male misogynist son of a bitch who you know doesn't care about anything and is what anybody on the opposite side on the on the more feminine for, you know the team woman yeah. he is the he is the embodiment of what they hate the most in in masculinity so you have the gestalt masculine in Trump and you have the gestalt feminine in uh in hillary clinton and they're both they're all i mean they're they're pair they're parodies of that i mean they're they're just the the stereotypical archetype of those and so the only you probably remember this back in in the in the summertime or of of 20, 2016 yeah we saw all these these um all this propaganda it was it's her turn right it's her turn well they don't care that it was hillary clinton's turn they care that it was her turn uh -huh. we, 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 uh, we, it was time for a female to be in the office is what that was saying. Okay. That, it's no longer about just her as a part. I mean, people will say, well, you know, I, didn't, I voted against Hillary. You've, you're, it was him against her and yeah. everyone on planet earth thought it was her turn. Like she was going to be the one that was going to win this hands down up until election night where everybody was predicting that she, you know, there's only like a, what a, the, five percent three percent chance that trump was ever going to win this thing and then throughout the night people were just losing their shit and they were right. losing their shit because 
Donald Trump, the arch, and I want to say Donald Trump, the archetypal masculine guy that the, the evil misogynist beat her, him beat her. And right. that is, and in the reason I could, the reason I say that is because it was so certain that they were, the um, companies were putting money into, um, this new era that they thought was going to come in. Like if I, I don't know if you watched house of cards, but house of cards that, that show was actually written in the, like the sometime during 2016 for the 2017, uh, season with the presumption that we would have a female president in office so that they could sort of like spring, you know, stories to come off of that kind of thing. Like now, the, now the male president's off, but now we have the female president kind of thing. And if you looked at like the Super Bowl commercials during that time, it was all this very female empowerment kind of uh, narrative in those, you know, like my girl's going to grow up to be president too, just like Hillary Clinton. But they, you have to edit that part out and put something else in there. But they were already preparing to have a female president. That's how certain they were. They were putting money into 2017 with the presumption that 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 was going to happen. Yeah. And so I, when I was writing about that, I wanted to bring that out because when I was writing about that. I was looking at it from a, like a, a sociosexual st standpoint because a lot of people say, well, you know, you just focus too much on sex role. That's all you're talking about. And it's like, no, I, t I, I focus on intersexual dynamics and intergender dynamics. So that's, that's my forte. I, is yeah. sex part of that? Absolutely. It's part of that. But there are, I, I never talk, I never talk about race. I never talk about religion. I never talk about politics. Like, on their own, just standing by themselves. I don't, yeah. I, I've never done that. In fact, I've edited people. I, I won't, I don't even want that on my, on my blogs, but yeah. if it is an intersexual intergender issue that crosses over into those topics, absolutely. I'll talk about those. And that's why I, I started writing about that kind of stuff, because I think that the, 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 the importance between how we relate to each other as men and women crosses over into our politics it crosses over into our psychology yeah. it crosses over into our spirituality just like what you're talking about yeah uh, and and i'm not going to sit here and say well you're the rational male you shouldn't talk about spirituality i'll tell you right now the spirituality is a part of the human experience so i have to cover that because that yeah. is also on one of those things yeah. that crosses over into an intersexual dynamic so that is why hypergamy is so goddamn important okay that is like when i, I I'll, I'll throw out one more story here's so that there's a um uh, an FBI agent who had fallen in love with some ISIS commander, like warlord or something that she was supposed to be like ghosting or she's, but, and this is a real, so this is a true story. And she fell in love with the guy because he was so dominantly masculine. The guy was just, you know, he, he command, commanded respect, right? He had all of this, you know, people like men would live and die because of this guy. And so she would, she went and flew out to wherever he was in Yemen or, or someplace in, in the Middle East so that she could marry the guy. And then once she got there, she realized she'd make this, made this horrible mistake. She left her husband who was in the military, right? At that point, because he was sort of this kind of beta, by comparison, anyways, this beta kind of guy that she's, you know, falling in love with this more alpha warlord guy in ISIS, who she's, you know, as an FBI agent, she's supposed to be monitoring. She gets extra, she, she realizes her mistake. She gets extradited back to the United States. And, you know, she gets basically a slap on the wrist when people say, well, well, that, you know, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the thing is, is if it weren't for intersexual dynamics, if it weren't for hypergamy, if it weren't for all of the things that I talk about or you talk about as well in, the, in, in your book as well, um, if it weren't for those things, if we didn't understand those things, you wouldn't understand 
you know, an issue of national security. That's yeah. basically an issue of national security. And yeah, so that's why this shit is important. Yeah, you gotta know everything. You know, my whole life, everybody told me, Oh, you a jack of all trades, you a jack of all trades. And um, when I was young, I used to go along with that. Then and then after as I started getting older, I'm like, no, I just know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> I people throw that at me. I go, I'm a master, or I, I'm a jack of all trades, but I'm a master of some. Of oh, some. yeah, right, right. You know, a few so of them I'm good at. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for me, you know, um, there's no such thing as mastery, right? If mm -hmm. you've reached mastery, you've begun to die, right? Mm -hmm. I live the life of uh, the perpetual student. I'm always in learning mode. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I teach in order to learn, right? Right. So I, one day I was, uh, you know, I, want, I figured I wanted to, uh, I know this world's very manipulated, right? So I'm like, how do you become a bestseller? I know it's not because you just write a great book, right? So um, I started doing my Googles and then, um, you know, the cookies tracked me or whatever. And then I went to Instagram and then I found some dude, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to tarnish his brand, but um, we got on a call and, uh, you know, he wanted to pitch me his, you know, Tony Robbins type you know, Ty Lopez type program, whatever. And I knew I wasn't going to buy it because I know when I'm being sold something I don't need, hmm. you know. Um, and uh, he, he, you know, he, he comes to me. He's like, you know, you're, I'm, I'm hearing you're about your brand and, you know, da, 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 and it sounds like you need to specialize. And I'm just like, bro, just tell me how to become a bestseller. You're like, I don't need you like trying to tell me what's wrong with my brand. I know what I'm doing with my brand. You can't from 15 minutes understand Hotep Jesus. I'm way too complicated to try and understand for what I'm trying to explain in 15 minute, you know, consulting conversation. You know what I mean? But I, I played along just to see, you know, I played along like, oh, yeah, you think I need to specialize? Well, tell me, you know, I, I do that. I play along sometimes just to hear people out because maybe there's something I can pull. But, um, you know, a lot of people you know, say that, you know, oh, you need to specialize, you need to specialize. And I'm like, and that specialization is still a whole bunch of subjects you need to understand to be good at that specialization, right? Mm -hmm. So when people ask me, what's my specialization? It's really broad, but it's, I am going to change this fucking world. Right, leave a dent in the universe. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm here to put a dent in the universe. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not here to, you know, I want to be a, a CEO one day. And I've done that. I was a CEO when I was 19 years old. Like, I'm trying to put a dent in the universe, you know? And in order to do that, I need mm -hmm. to talk. I can't just talk about one thing. Like, you want me to just talk about politics. No, that's what these other bozos are for. You know, these other dudes that want to live their life uh, for a spot on Fox News. And that's that's the pinnacle of their life. They'll always be the dude known as the dude from Fox News. You know, I want to be the dude that built the Fox News competitor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a different dynamic. But, you know, um, in order for me to, to be Hotep Jesus, I have to understand many different things. You can't teach a man how to be a man without understanding some sort of biology. So in my book, we got to talk about the biology of man. You know, like mm -hmm. I talked about Joe Rogan and, you know, the, the effects of losing your semen. Like you still, I, you can't tell somebody to be a man and not know the man's body. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So when people say that specialization, I take that stuff with a grain of salt, man. When you when you were talking about that, um, that reminded me of an essay that I wrote called the the pheromonal beta, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like you you sort of losing your your drive and your motivation, and I that 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 gets all into this. I mean, we I don't have the time for it, but we this it just gets into this Freudian stuff where it's like all energy is sexual. So are you going to be building up your energy to f focus it on what it is that you want to do, or are you just gonna you know, release it <laughs> and be careful who you release it with. 
Exactly. Yeah. Don't don't give her your nut, bro. <laughs> exactly. You know, here I will tell you. Um, and, and we're we're kind of closing out here. We've been at, we've been at this for about two hours now. Um, I was just gonna say, man, this has been a great conversation, man. Um, I just want to say that you want to um, if you want to write a bestseller, I will tell you this. Here's here's the secret to write a bestseller. Um write for yourself and write what you think needs to be. write the book and this is really going to get stupid here in a second but write the book that you want to read not what you think other people want to read right and i had to learn that one as well because one of the reasons why my books have been so so popular is because i've set myself up into a place where i can say what i want instead of what i think my audience wants to hear because I mean, at the end of the day, if if my books get banned off of Amazon, I'll be all right. I mean, I might right. I might take a hit, but I'll be all right. right. Um, but so I don't. I my my theory on this whole thing is write what you think people need to hear. Right, write what people not what they want to hear, but what they, what they need to hear. And yeah. what write the book that you you like. Like I was telling you before, when um when I was reading the 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 game by Neil Strauss, that wasn't the book I wanted to read. And, and I couldn't find one, so I wrote the book that I wanted to read. That I that I thought that need. I, I was looking for a Bible, man. I was looking for that. Well, show me, give me the instructional manuals. Where did all this come from? And yeah. nobody had that, and so I had to be. I had to be that. Yeah. And and I think that emancipating yourself from this this need to, you know, especially to make yourself financially dependent on on the opinion of other people or the audience, you know, interpretation of you because. It, Man, audience interpretation will will change on a dime for you. Yeah. Uh, you have to be careful of that kind of stuff. So, I would my, that that would be my one advice to you as far as being you know as a new well, I mean, as far as what you're getting into being a new author with this one. Oh yeah, yeah. So, you know what you said about you know writing what you want to see in the world. Like that's what I do. Period. Right. Yeah. When I was looking up how to be a bestseller, I was looking at it from a digital marketing hack. You know, like you know because I'm seeing books that. Are bestsellers. I, first of all, let me just say I have no interest in being a bestseller, right? I think it's bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, what does that mean, bestseller? That has it means absolutely nothing, right? Mm -hmm. But I was looking at people that were selling books, and I'm like, yo, I know this book is crap. How did you become a bestseller, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing people who have bestsellers, but nobody's talking about the book, right? So I'm like, that's that's another thing that's like missing, right? So I'm like, all right, so there's something fraudulent that's happening here. So I wanted to know what digitally people were doing and i realized there was the amount of volume you had to send within a certain amount of time to a amazon based upon categories and keywords which i kind of figured anyway but i just needed somebody to tell me that yeah i i i like i said i had to do it backwards i i wrote the book because i wanted to hear i wanted the book to um to be available i wanted the information to be available because i knew it was going to be life-saving and and it was i was i was having people t telling me you know hey man i took the gun out of my mouth because of that and that's what i had set out to do back in 2003. yeah um and then it's and, and i'm happy to say that a lot of guys have, have you know either benefited from it you know lived a better life or actually saved their own lives and to me that's kind of like making a dent in the universe and yes i stole that from uh steve jobs um <laughs> uh, but but that's a, maybe he's a good example of this is um like the guy had more than enough money to do what he could just duck out and just live and do whatever he wants to do for the rest of his life he didn't have to do anything else but like once he discovered that he had cancer and he was probably not going to live too much longer 
that's when he became even more productive. He became hyper productive because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to leave a mark on the universe, and that's exactly what he did. And yeah, when I hit when I hit fifty years old, I I thought the same thing. I'm like, do I want to be known as the guy who was just the brand manager of like some you know some liquor brands and you know lived happily ever after, or do I want to help people? What what do I want to leave behind? Yeah, and I think once you sort of once you sort of understand your own mortality and I don't, you know, when you're young, you don't think about it. You think you're invincible and you just do it. You know, I'm going to just go make as much money as I possibly can. Hey, good. Go ahead. But like when you get a little bit older, you go, what, what do I want my legacy to be? What do I, is it, what do I want to be remembered for? At least that's me. I know other people don't think that way. Other people are just like, they're just happy to just live a life and go. But like, yeah. I, I wanted to, to leave something more. And I think you did too. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, you know, uh, I, I want to preach independence at the highest order. So, for example, when we talk about being a bestseller, right, I don't promote my book on Amazon. I made my book dumb, stupid on Amazon just so idiots wouldn't buy it. You know what I mean? Because, mm -hmm. like I said, I saw it 10 years ago that Amazon was Kindle. So I'm like, they burning books. And then you look at like what we make on those books. I'm like, nah, bro, I'd rather not be a bestseller and take 100 percent off a digital PDF. You know, I'll sell like I sold uh, autograph copies of my books to people that's physical, you know, but my book is very high priced. It, you know, uh, it's 97. It's on sale half off right now. My book on marketing with all my dirty secrets, all my history on Twitter, all my marketing history. So it's very transparent. I tell you all the things I did wrong, all the things I shouldn't have did and all the things I did right. You know, like I said, because uh, it's expensive because I'm giving away like my dirt, like the shit I don't want people to know about, you know, but um, I want to I want a large portion of the sales to go to me like i'm not sharing it with amazon you know what i mean especially when amazon won't let roosh they won't let roosh have a platform they 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 they, they they're censoring roosh so when it's when i see that type of stuff it's like it's like am i gonna do what's right or do i want to be a bestseller you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know, do i want to do what's right or do i need this platform you know it's like i'm gonna do what's right i'll figure out another way you know right. like say you need a facebook page i don't update my facebook page i have one i don't update it you need an instagram page i have one i don't update it you know like who says you know everybody wants to say what you have to do and i'm the one that says well show me what you have to do so i can show you why you don't need to do it you know what you said on rogan was it's we're the content creators we're the ones who they they need us we don't need them we right. you know and if we get deplatformed the what's going to happen is if you get deplatformed you're going to find out who was in it for the money and you're going to find it who was in it for making a dent in the universe like what is it warren buffett says once the tide goes out you realize who uh who's wearing swim trunks and who's not <laughs> it's that's that's well, that's how well, it's going to work let me, let me give you an example of a of a CEO real quick. And this last thing I'm going to say. All right. Let's say you're hosting a piece of content that's controversial, right? You're a multi-million dollar company. You're doing really well. You're really wealthy. And Stripe come down on, comes, comes down on you. And they say, yo, if you keep this content on your platform, we're going to uh, remove your services. You won't be able to use Stripe anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the content that's on your platform is not a violation of your terms and service. And you don't really care, frankly, right? Now, it's just one customer, right? Would you take Stripe to court or would you just say, all right, we'll just get rid of that guy and just keep it moving, even though, you know, it's not the right thing to do. Right. Mm. Even though you don't win anything. Right. Mm. You just just keep your service going. Right. 
these are the decisions that people are going to have to make someday. And I'm telling people right now, I'm going to be the CEO that I'm going to host content I shouldn't host. And when Stripe and these people come down on me, you're going to watch. We're going to fight that battle. You know, I'll pay I'll pay the legal fee for somebody else's battle to be on my platform. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people won't do that. You saw it with Patreon. Patreon didn't stand up to these corporations. They allowed the they allowed Stripe and them to dictate who was able to raise money on that platform. And that's so wrong. Right. I know. And of course, maybe you could tell me a little bit about this is a lot of guys are saying, well, you know, the like you're saying, go create your own platform. I think uh, Jordan Peterson's creating is he wants to create some sort of new media platform or something. Great. I I think that's fantastic. In fact, I told guys that at the my speech last um, last year uh, about there's a lot of opportunity in that. Like if you want to create the next YouTube, go out and do that. But Here's the thing is like, how are you going to get payment process? How are you going to get this process? How are you going to do that? Well, you got to go create all those things until you get to the point where you're you're playing whack-a-mole, right? I mean, you're just trying to like create this and create this and create. And basically, you're basically creating your whole your whole world. You right. Know? And that's that's what we are. We're content creators. We are, you have to go out there. If you want that to happen, if you want that to exist in your world, you have to go do that. I'm glad you're doing what you're what you're doing as far as that's concerned. Um, but they need they need content. They need somebody like, like just like what you're saying. I I have Facebook. I don't use it. I have um, Instagram. I occasionally use it, but it's just for personal stuff. I'm not like trying to market myself on it. It's just like people want to see what you know what my daily life is about. I might post a picture or something. Um, but, you know, Twitter is where I do most of my engagement. Just like you, um, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, but it's it's the content. It's what what are you creating? What are you putting out there? I mean, my blog is actually more. I think important to me than anything else i'm working on a book right now and that's great but my my what i produce and what my ideas are and getting them out to people is more important to me right now like we roycey and uh, chateau hartis just got uh their his blog which was a, a manosphere staple just got erased by wordpress and that scared me because i'm like if they're, if they're doing that, I mean, now granted, I don't talk about ethno nationalism. I don't talk about all, any alt right. I don't talk about any of that kind of stuff. That blog really leaned over into that um, over the last like six or eight years. And I have always stayed away from that. So I'm, I think I'm probably okay. But still, now WordPress is entering into this. Now WordPress is, you know, if it, I, now I have a business uh, account with them. But they could very easily just cancel that and say, hey, you're on your own. And I would spring back and I'd probably be able to do that. But then now I've got to rebuild. I get zeroed out, right? I got to rebuild my engagement again with a new site because I'll still own the URL, but I still got to build with a, with something new. Same thing with Twitter. Same thing with uh, with YouTube. You get zeroed out. And just and at the end, to end this here real quick is um, there's this guy who is uh, a, a quote-unquote red pill YouTuber. His name was Alexander Grace. And I... Like I locked horns with him on a, on a few occasions, but honestly, I think he had some really good material um, up until recently because he was trying to re- he was trying to change the the nature of his channel. He was he was all about being red pill, and then suddenly he decided that oh, I'm not actually red pill, and he gave me grief for like calling him out on that. I said the only reason that you're saying that you're not red pill right now is because you know that YouTube is dropping the ban hammer right now and you have to, because that's a, that's part of the algorithm. If you put red pill or manosphere or, you know, misogynist or whatever you want, but if you put that in your tags, 
you're going to get caught. You're going to get swept up in the algorithm and you're going to get demonetized. And his channel just got demonetized. And he's tearfully on, on YouTube crying and saying, you know, like, I, I, this is what I had. You know, I, I, I did nothing else. I quit my day job and now I have no source of income. You know, I got to start a Kickstarter. I got to do this. Um, and it was exactly what I told him. I said, you need, you're, you're changing this because this is your, this is your revenue and you are dependent on this platform. And it's not about the content that you believe. Would, would you do it for free? I've right. done I've done the Rational Mail for free for, well, the Rational, the, as a blog, I've been doing the Rational Mail for eight, almost nine years now. Right. Um, and you can go there. I've never monetized the blog. There's there's no ads on there. Yes, I have a, I have a book, but um, I do it because I want to put out i'm interested in ideas i'm mostly interested in ideas yeah. and and that's the, and that's the end of it you know so that's that's the content like when you were saying they, they they need us they need that content they need something so like when i'm when people tell me you need to get on instagram like, like okay but that's not what my focus is my focus is on my is on my ideas and that's yeah. what makes your content so strong you know, people come in, you ain't on Instagram. You need to do yeah. Instagram. Like, yo, why are you on Instagram? <laughs> yeah. Bro, that's All right. Well, we've been doing this for two hours. This has been a really, really great interview. Um, and I'd I'd love to get you back on again or maybe even get you on one once or twice with the with the uh the guys from Rule Zero. Um yeah, so, definitely want to do this again. And uh in the future, man, if you want to do something together, I'm always up for working with you. So yeah, um, let me the uh the new book, the uh yeah, yeah, give your plugs, give your plugs, man. Uh, so anybody wants to reserve a copy of the masculinity book that Rolo did design on and I wrote, it's uh womendecoded.substack.com. I don't know if you guys are on Substack, great you know, thing to use for email. It's completely free, but it's womendecoded.substack.com. Just plug your email address in there. Once this thing is ready, so once my, it comes out from my editor, we're just gonna we're gonna shoot it right out to you guys. Cool, cool, cool. And then all of the rest of your information I've already put uh, in the description. But go okay. ahead. Briansharp.co, B-R-Y-A-N, uh sharp S H A R P E dot C O. So yeah, you can get everything right there. Cool. Cool, cool. This has been great, man. Thanks for thanks for joining me. And um, I will be on tomorrow morning with the Rule Zero guys. It is going to be at eleven thirty Eastern. Um, just look for. I think it's going to be on John's channel. So uh, just look for the notices in on my Twitter feed or any of the other guys' Twitter feeds. Um, we're kind of passing that show around, so we don't have like a, a centralized place for it right now. Uh, I also did Pat Campbell this morning. That archive is now available. Just look at either my uh, Twitter feed or look on Pat Campbell's Twitter feed and you will find the archives for this morning show, which was actually a lot of fun. And then on Sunday, I always have the Rational Mail 101 with Pat Campbell. Um, that starts at 4 4:30 Eastern, um, and if you're following, if you're watching this, you're probably already a subscriber. Please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the notifications button so that when I do stuff like this, you guys will be alerted. Um, and that's it for us, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man.